You're listening to The Purple Stethoscope. I am your host, Devin Nixon, family nurse practitioner. None of the information provided in this podcast is intended to nor sufficient to diagnose your personal medical issue, but there is a lot to learn, so let's start the show. Welcome back, everyone. I met you last week talking about hypertension, kind of covering the basics, covering the uh, complications of hypertension and some preventative measures we can take with lifestyle, including exercise, um, a low-sodium, fresh food diet, you know, seeking out help from medical practitioners and, and figuring out a good medication, a regimen that works for, for those who've already been diagnosed. I'm really excited to be back this week with guest Munir Simpson. He is an Afro-Brazilian martial artist, a hydrotherapy and meditation practitioner. Um, and he's with us today because we wanted to talk about non-pharmaceutical interventions for hypertension. And so in keeping with my kind of vision of making health accessible and affordable to the community, I'm here with Munir to talk more about meditation. So welcome and thank you for coming. Thank you so much, Devin, for having me. It's really an honor to be here. Uh, I think you are onto something fantastic and actually accessibility and affordability is top of the mind for me. Um, and uh, it's an amazing story, and it's something I relate to personally. Yeah, you told me previously that meditation is your medicine. Yes. What do you mean by that? So uh, it started uh, for me like um, this journey into meditation. Maybe about 20 years ago, I was... um, uh, I'd always done sports in my life and uh, track. I was in the swim team uh, when I was at University of the West Indies. I did uh, cricket. So I really love sports and I love being active. But once I graduated and I started working, I had to. we had the company would sponsor an annual physical. Mm. And I went in and I saw Dr. LeCloyd in the Cayman Islands. And he said, you know what? your blood pressure is kind of on the high side of normal. And I had no idea what that meant, you know, because I was like, whatever, man, because I, you know, I'd done all these physicals before and I never had this problem. And he said, well, what that means is that if you continue to go down this path, uh, you know, we're going to have to prescribe medication for you. And I kind of got a little bit concerned. I went home and I talked to my dad and said, you know, dad, what's this? And he said, well, son... You know, hypertension is what killed your f- grandfather. Mm. Yes, yeah. and um, my my grandfather died when my father was only seventeen or eighteen. Wow. Yeah, so um, we have a history of it in the family, and um, my father ended up having to to take medication for hypertension. So, uh, armed with that knowledge and understanding my family disposition to this, I decided, well, you know what, um, and by this time I had moved from the Cayman Islands now to Berkeley when I figured this all out and what I wanted to do. And uh, I decided I'm going to fight hypertension by changing my lifestyle. 
completely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I went out and went to the library, and then I also went to the bookstore. And that time, there were Barnes and Nobles. I went to Barnes and Noble. I read every single book on hypertension wow. and treatment. Yeah. Right. And I found out there were a couple of natural kind of natural remedies, and also there were some lifestyle changes just in terms of sleep, diet, and exercise that wow. I could take. Things we have talked about in depth: sleep. <laughs> Diet and exercise. I love that you said those, and that I actually am kind of freaking out about the order that you said them in <laughs> because that's very in keeping with what we have talked about previously. But all those books you read, yes. and that was what you walked away with. That's what I walked away with, and then I immediately started to implement. Um, the The first thing, and I must admit that when I, so when I went to Berkeley, I was actually a student, so I didn't have a lot of time to... I would say sleep as much as I wanted to. Right. Like you should sleep eight hours. I I I'll confess I didn't get all of that. <laughs> you're, you're in good company. <laughs> <laughs> but I did try. I endeavored. But what was easier to control was diet, and um, I, that's the that's the first phase for me. So it kind of started off being more mindful about what I was eating, and being more mindful. Devin, for me means actually reading the labels yes. on the package. Yes. Uh, so when you buy something and you want to eat, you know, find out what's in it. You know, understand the calories, understand the cholesterols, understand, you know, the carbohydrates. And the sodium is probably the most important thing you yes. need to look at. So, like, I started to look at foods with high sodium and I cut out everything with high sodium. What did you notice? What was surprising when you were trying to cut out sodium? Were there any foods that you were surprised were very high in sodium or did you find themes as you were yeah. um, slashing and dashing yeah, some so high sodium foods? All of my favorite foods at that time were high in sodium. Things like pizza, mm-hmm. uh, chips. I used to eat chips a lot. Um, you know, um, I used to eat a lot of processed foods. Yeah. Um, turns out that I had to completely get rid of it. At, at one point in time, Nevin, I was like, what am I going to eat? <laughs> you know, I think we've all been there when we become aware and we realize, like, we've been poisoning ourselves. That's right. That's right. And we've developed a palate for poison. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, you look around with this new knowledge and you go, okay, I can't eat anything in my house because it's all high in sodium or processed, etc. It's really bad. Yeah. What I want to say, Devin, is the most important thing, and I hope all of the listeners really pay attention to this one point because it's been the truth for me. What is good for your body, as somebody who is kind of disposed to hypertension, is going to be expensive in the United States. Mm. Okay? So I know we talk about accessibility and affordability, but... Yeah. Um, if from my perspective, I'm not sure how you, you know, you deal with it, Devin. But for me, I had to kind of restructure also my finances, not just my lifestyle. You know what? That that I didn't even think we would end up going this way in this in this conversation because um, I I've seen this many many different times where people try to start eating better. They become more mindful about their food. Next thing you know, they're becoming mindful about the environment. Next thing you know, they're changing deodorant. They're changing the products that they use because it really it really all, is all interchange. What I found myself doing kind of reminded me about uh, when we had children. 
People always think they can't afford kids. Mm. Truth is, you just redistribute where your money goes. That's right. And it's the same thing when you're changing your lifestyle, when you're changing your diet. You may pay more. You will pay more. For your food, but you'll pay less in the sense that, because I guess I want to push back a little bit. Eating out is very common um, in the West. And I think while you'll pay more for your grocery food, you'll end up paying less overall because you're not eating fast food. You're not eating restaurant food. That's right. Or you're eating much less restaurant food. And so I think it actually might even balance out. It's way better. Yeah. So I had to evolve from eating out most of the time Mm -hmm. to eating out like once a week. Yeah. Yeah, because I wanted to control what I was going into my body. And that's the only way you can is if you are preparing your food. That's right. right. Yeah. That's right. The plant-based diet can be more expensive in certain states than a meat-based diet. So mm-hmm. you have to be prepared for that. But yeah. for me, it was worth paying a little bit more to know that I was getting more potassium in my diet. So potassium is one of the elements that you, you want to... If you, if you can't cut out the sodium, you do want to make sure you have more potassium in your diet. You can so. cut out the sodium. <laughs> you can do it. But yeah. yes, you want to have potassium absolutely potassium. helps. And what's, what's beautiful is once you realize you need potassium, you find out that a lot of things like the banana that I brought when I came here today. Yes, thank you. Yeah, it's loaded with potassium, yeah. um, coconut water. A lot of the things that I kind of grew up with as a boy in Jamaica, uh, they're actually really good for your body and for your health and combating hypertension. Which speaks to the sad American diet, right? The standard American diet or the sad diet. Yeah. Um, Yeah, there's not a lot of freshness. But I think that we're starting to turn a corner where that Mm -hmm. is becoming important to the up-and-coming generation. Um, Farmer's markets, you guys. Check out your farmer's markets. organic section in the grocery store one of the things that I learned was if I wanted to know what was the least like genetically modified food I would look at what was available this is when I'm broke you know I'm like counting my pennies trying to eat well right um so I would go in the organic section and see what was available Mm -hmm. and then I would buy it in the not in the regular section where it wasn't organic because I knew those fruits were in season. Yeah. So there was less genetic engineering happening with my food to buy what was in season, whether I could afford Fantastic. to buy organic or not. The farmers market is another great resource. You're buying yes. local, so you're really um, it's much better. It's better for the environment. It's and, it, and, and it's you better for you know the, the where your is, food, food is coming from. from. Yes. Yeah. So I so because I I studied industrial engineering and a lot of my friends did agricultural engineering. I know that food when it travels, the quality changes. Yeah. You have to refrigerate those bananas when you ship them up from Central America. That's right. And it just changes the quality of your food. So like. You definitely want to do local as much as possible. Absolutely. So you made all these lifestyle changes. Yes. And then what happened with your blood pressure? So uh, I started to notice that it was declining. And it didn't decline immediately. So you have to, uh, if those of you who are listening, don't don't expect the blood pressure to just change the next day. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to to persist with it for 
it takes six to 12 months. Sometimes in, in my case, it, it took like almost by the second year of my mm-hmm. diet for me to see, I think, measurable changes. Because for the first six to 12 months, I'll go to the doctor and I'll get my blood pressure checked. And it was like, I still had to be like, oh my God, it's not moving, yeah. right? Luckily, it wasn't increasing, mm-hmm. but I didn't notice any results. And I just had to just have faith that it would work. Yeah. Um, another thing, and I know this is not discussed and it might not be part of your remedies for this, but uh, you you need a very good social environment. One of the things that happened to me when I was in Berkeley, I, I met a wonderful woman and we became friends and it was very uh, enjoyable to spend time with her. So having positive relationships, um, mm-hmm. relationships that don't add stress to your life oh, is so good. really, really um, powerful. Mm-hmm. And also, I must say I, to, to all the listeners, when that relationship took place, that's when I actually noticed a dramatic drop in my blood pressure. So could you say, and we talked about feeling safe earlier. Yes. Yeah, and friendships, um, family relationships. Yes. I, I read something that uh, someone posted on the internet today that said, boundaries are the distance it takes for me to love you and love me simultaneously. Yes. I thought that was so beautiful. Like, wow, right? Yes. Yes. Um, so relationships and food, food and let's go there meditation yeah. so um, black community right um, I was raised Christian raised in a Baptist Same. church and anything that wasn't praying fasting reading scripture <laughs> singing work. in the choir yeah, <laughs> yeah it was the devil's work yeah. and so the concept of meditation was that was an eastern religious theme until I came to a place in my life where if I didn't change something, I wasn't going to survive that season. Um, And I uh, was introduced to yoga. I started practicing yoga, became part of a daily practice for me. And one of the first things that I noticed was all the stress and tension I held in my body. I was an athlete, a lifelong athlete as well. And when you're a lifelong athlete and you are attempting to do something with your body and your body says no, it pisses you off on a level that is different than um, just a regular nuisance. It's like, no, this is who I am. I can do this. And there were asanas that my body was like, oh, no, boom. No, ma'am. We won't be doing that today. You can so address... Asana, asanas are, if you don't know yoga... <laughs> yes, sorry. A, yeah. A pose, a yoga pose or a position, different poses. Um, and there were some I would try, and it's like my body was like, you haven't dealt with this, mm-hmm. and I'm not moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really got me more into the sitting practice and everyone meditate everyone can meditate differently there's multiple different ways to do it i prefer sitting a sitting practice i have a a nice little round pillow with my little um adinkra (laughs) symbols on it um but it's almost like a little homecoming yeah yeah Yeah. so so let me let me say one thing uh there are many different ways to meditate um you can have a physical meditation like it's yoga based. In my case, I did capoeira. So for me, just 
practicing the kicks and being mindful of your breath when you're kicking is also meditation. Now you broke down, or you paused me on asana. I have to pause you now on capoeira. Okay. (laughs) What is capoeira? So capoeira is an Afro-Brazilian martial art. And it was really cool to me when I first saw it. I was like, wait, black people have martial arts? I was like, no way. And I, because I I always was fascinated by Asian martial arts. And then I was like, well, let me take a look at this African martial art. And um, that happened when I went to Berkeley and it was amazing. So um, capoeira is an art form that was practiced by enslaved black people in Brazil. Mm -hmm. And just like we have been through slavery in the United States, in Brazil, that also happened. And And they are actually in the diaspora Absolutely. The largest number of Africans in a in a non-African nation That's right. is Brazil. The U.S. is number two. So, That's right. And they're a little closer to West Africa. That's so right. So maybe they're not, yeah, maybe they brought some stuff from the motherland for they us. They brought a lot of things. <laughs> they, they were able to hang on to a lot of the traditions, even some, and they, for those of you who, you know, are into Christianity, they do a lot, there's a lot of syncretism that took on, um, took place in Brazil. So, um, they have candomblé, which is a religion, but it, for a long time, people who practice candomblé, people would never know because they all use the same names like Santa Barbara. Right. So there was all this going on. And but anyway, the point of it was that in in the northern part of Brazil, the the heritage, the African heritage was really uh, treasured and maintained. And Capoeira was cultivated there. And many masters came from Bahia, the northern part of Brazil. And eventually uh, those masters made their way down to Sao Paulo, Rio de Janeiro, uh, the, the former capital of Brazil. And then from there, they made their way across the world. New York, San Francisco, uh, London. <laughs> and I was lucky enough to meet a master when I went to Berkeley. And that's kind of like how I got started. Capoeira had a lot of kicks. It's very physical. And it appealed to me a lot. It's very cool. There's music. Um, you know, it also is a, is a patron for other dances. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was totally swept away by it. And what I did was I, I started practicing kicking every day, but I did what I call mindful kicking, which is I, every time I kick, I exhale, mm-hmm. right? And I would do this for 30 minutes yeah. at, at the minimum, sometimes an hour. So you're really connecting the breath. So you're connecting the breath. And basically, meditation is just a mindfulness. And you, you need an object. And in the case of being mindful of the the breath when you're kicking, you just just every time you kick and you're breathing out and you exhale and you're like, ah, oh, I'm I'm maintaining my practice. I'm you know, and that actually helped me a lot. And that's kind of how I got down into the meditation path because I noticed once I finished my practice of mindful kicking and breathing, mm-hmm. I felt extreme bliss. Mm-hmm. I felt very happy. We ha- we hold so much in our body. Yeah. in our physical body and exercise is such a wonderful release but connecting that breath too is like a conscious decision to to and it clears get it out yeah it, so in in my case um so you, you in the audience don't know but like i have a lot of junk in my brain i have what i mean is that i studied a lot of books i read a lot of things there are lots of i call noise running through my head 
every second of my life, except when I'm mindful of my breath. So what happens when I do a meditation? I might be exercising my body when I'm doing the kicks, but I'm actually relaxing my brain Mm -hmm. when I focus on my breath. So that's why it felt extremely good. I'm getting the endorphins from the kicking, but I'm also getting the relaxation mentally from the focus on the breath. Yeah. Right? So the, the mind just kind of blocks everything else that's not related to kicking and the breathing. Mm-hmm. And that is extremely, you know, relaxing. Yeah. So that's kind of what got me started. And it wasn't until I moved to South Korea uh, and I was doing my mindfulness kicking in the basement of SK Telecom that <laughs> I, I asked myself, what... Is there anything more blissful than this? Yeah. And I had heard about meditation being something very good. So I took my shower, got upstairs, and lo and behold, there was actually a Buddhist monk, nun, actually, (laughs) there. And I just walked right up to her and I said, you know, uh, can you teach me to meditate? And if you guys don't know, like in Korea, not a lot of people speak English. But not only did this monk um, speak English, mm. uh, this nun, she also was a meditation teacher. So wow. she said, if you're, well, if you're ready, um, we can go right now and I'll teach you to meditate. Now, before you go into that, yeah. um, we were talking earlier and you were talking, we were talking about masculinity yes. and the, the socialization that we get in the West and, and maybe in the world, it seems like the majority of the world is patriarchal to some degree. Yes. Um, and you were talking about the, the letting go of the idea that you had to be big and bad and oh, yes. hurt people, but you could be controlled and um, mindful and still get all the benefits of the workout without yeah. the mental, um, while, while letting go of the psychological conditioning that comes with growing up male That's right. in, in the West. That's right. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I, so I was very lucky when I started Capoeira. I, I started... And it, there were two gentlemen in the class, uh, both from Detroit. Actually, one is Jamaican uh, by by way of birth, um, and they were they became my friends, and they they kind of taught me what capoeira really was. I had a misunderstanding when I started. I was looking at capoeira as a, a fighting art, and I wanted to use it to like you know defend myself (laughs) (laughs) in the kindest way I could explain that (laughs) but um they actually said look man when you go in the order you don't have to it's I and so my capoeira name is Zumbi Mm. and Zumbi is a historical figure in Brazil he used to free slaves and he is there's Zumbi day in Brazil all right so I I was um you know they got that heavy name and then you know, just being very athletic in class, I kind of used to throw my weight around. I was yeah. bigger than everyone, faster. So, you know, I used to keep people a lot. And, and they would be like, hey, dude, you don't have to hurt anybody when you play cup weather. You, you know, it's not about that. You know, and then I got in the hotel one day and I was playing Shango, who's my teacher and also my friend. Yeah. And then he was like, he's, you know, he outmaneuvered me and then he stopped his foot right in front of my nose with perfect control, and then that's when I got it. I was like, oh, he just totally demonstrated that he could have broken my nose, but he didn't have to do that, right? And then, like, over time, I started to understand that Capoeira was more about, you know, wisdom, experience, respecting your elders, 
uh, taking care of the weaker people in society, you know, having more compassion mm. and having no judgment. I remember one day, you know, my teachers like Shango and Bidinja, they're leading the class and then a guy walks into the class. He's like, hey, my name is Big OG and I'm a devil worshiper. And I was kind of shocked because, you know, like, you know, growing up in the church, we like a guy just walked in and said he's a <laughs> devil worshiper. But, the, you know, yeah. I want to leave, right? Yeah. And those guys are like, hey, we're not here to judge him. We're here to teach Kapweta, and he wants to learn. So yeah. they really helped me to open my mind a lot That's and to beautiful. practice non-judgment, you know. Non-judgment is so huge in my meditative practice because what I find myself judging more than anything mm -hmm. is my own thought. Mm -hmm. And meditation has really taught me to pull back, watch my thoughts almost like you would watch a television or watch smoke come out of a tea kettle mm -hmm. and just observe it. Yes. Just observe and go, gosh, I wonder what that thought is about. I wonder where that thought came from, how it got rooted into my thinking mm -hmm. and start to just like break down things that I had been socialized into or conditioned or, or even been directly taught and go, wow, that's not operating in a way that's beneficial to me. Yeah. And as I was able to not judge, but just look at my thoughts and, and observe them and ask those questions, I became able to let things go, yeah. different ideologies go, different um, beliefs even. Mm -hmm. There are things that that I believed growing up in church. Um, and I, I feel like there was another episode I did with um, a psychologist and it sounded like maybe we were bashing church and I really want to clarify that um, that's not at all what I'm doing. I am very much a believer, love the Lord with my entire being, but religion taught things that were not biblically true Mm -hmm. That they were not, um, it just, there were some things that religion taught that weren't truth. For instance, that highest calling of a woman was mm -hmm. to be a wife and a mother. And, and that just, I learned, is not so, but I learned that by becoming a wife and a mother and not feeling completely fulfilled. That's right. Not having reached a potential with my own God-given abilities That's and right. gifts, right? So I'm like, okay, Lord, why would you place this mm -hmm. in me, these things in me, and not have a, a way for me to walk this yeah. out and meditation is where I learned that didn't come from him <laughs> that yeah. didn't come from this came from that this came from that and really kind of un, untwining the mm -hmm. the the integration of all these thoughts and beliefs and and yes. social things that was really freeing has been so freeing yes yeah yes. so you know meditation has many different types so uh, let me just um, talk a little bit about the little I know about meditation. So, um, uh, like once again, this is Buddhist meditation. So you know, this everything is different. But there's basically two two types of meditation. There's going to be samatha meditation, which is um, peacefulness. Can and you say the word again? Samatha. Samatha. Samatha okay. meditation, which is you know, it's a concentration practice, but the byproduct of the concentration practice is actually peace and relaxation and mm. all the stuff that will lower your blood pressure. I see. And the other type of meditative practice is what we'll called vipassana, which is what 
you are experiencing when you can see your thoughts. So, um, and I, um, I was very fortunate to meet a teacher who advised me to do Samatha meditation first and then mm. Vipassana second. Mm. So uh, Samatha is a concentration practice and the Buddha taught 40 different types of Samatha objects. And every meditation is just a focus on an object. And he had 40 different objects. But wow. the one that he recommended for all of us as starters and you know beginners in concentration practices is Anapanasati. Anapanasati is mindfulness of breathing. And uh, it's something that is totally accessible. And that's why I'm so happy to have this opportunity to be here with you, Devin, to talk about the most accessible form of meditation. Mm-hmm. And why is it accessible? Because we have to breathe to live. We have to breathe to do capoeira. We have to breathe to be a mother. We have to be a, breathe to be a father. Yeah. And uh, to, to practice anapanasati is just to be mindful of your breath at all times. So you can go on a meditation retreat and you can get into it much deeper. And for a lot of the people who are probably listening, that's not an option. But you don't have to do that. In my personal practice, what I do is I wake up every morning and I do it first. So um, because this program is about preventative me- uh, medicine, um, if you're in a situation that, like I was and you realize you need to make a life change, you have to prioritize it or it won't happen. So in my case, I Absolutely. I made sure the first thing I started my day off with was my practice. Yeah. So it was always Kapuera first. But after I discovered meditation and the Anapanasati, it was always Anapanasati first. So I wake up, I do my meditation first. And it's kind of a lot of, of what you were saying before. Nevin, you have to sit down, you know, you're going to sit down in a comfortable posture. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have your legs like in a lotus (laughs) position, but you want to sit comfortably in a position where you can hold the position for a while. You don't want to slouch your back because then you could fall asleep and you don't want to have your body twisted in any way because you're going to have some pains later on. So you have to sit kind of very straight and relaxed Mm -hmm. and you want to, you know, just relax your body and have everything aligned. Like you might have a big weight on your head, like when you're carrying a water basket. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know you close your eyes you relax you breathe in deep and out and then you you think may I be peaceful and may I be happy you know and think about what you want in that respect and then maybe you think about your friend and you say um, may my dear friend um, the lady that you mentioned earlier, may she be peaceful, may she be happy, yeah. you know. Um, and that's what we call radiating meta. It's just, it's just a generosity that you share, but also in sharing that generosity, it helps to calm your mind. Because giving is receiving. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when, you, when you're giving in that way, you feel very calm. You're like, I just wish my best friend to be happy. So that. it relaxes you a lot. And you it know? gets your mind off of you for a second. And you take your mind off of you. Yeah. And then after that, you call your mind to pay attention to the breath. And it comes in and out. And it touches right on the upper lip, right by the nostrils. And you can feel it push. So, but you don't want to focus on the touch of the breath. You want to focus on the breath, and that's a trick that you need to do. But as a beginner, just knowing that the breath is there and focusing on it for even five minutes, it will relax you. Your blood pressure will drop 
you know if even, even if you can only practice it for five minutes a day what's going to happen is the effect will stay with you longer each time you practice it i see yeah so you know you're going to notice it immediately when you meditate but when you come out of it and you start moving around you're going to be like <sighs> and then the blood pressure is going to come back up again because you're more mindful of a lot of other things yeah but as you keep practicing and you know i'm into this practice now sometime um, and I've noticed that I'm able to maintain my calmness for longer periods, sometimes throughout the whole day. Yeah. So that's really what you want to do. Um, I I totally and absolutely recommend this way uh, to start. It's absolutely a phenomenal adjunct to therapy. It's a phenomenal adjunct to healthy lifestyle. And I think it's so foreign to us that... It's easy to get frustrated. When I first started, I would be thinking, not meditating, but just sitting there thinking. Mm -hmm. And it takes time to learn how to turn that off and stop engaging and um, come home to the embodiment of your experience and and just breathe. Um, Wow. I, I like to leave the listeners with, three actionable steps they can take to have some of this practice um, even starting now. Um, So maybe I will give one and you can give two. Okay. Okay, so I'll let you go first as the expert and if I think of something else. The first thing I would say is you need to make a commitment to yourself, Mm. right? But it needs to be a realistic uh, atta- uh, expectation attached to that. So don't say, okay, I'm going to do five hours a day, you know, for the next 10 years. <laughs> you know, you're setting yourself up to fail. So you have to kind of go in gradually and you want to give yourself a reasonable uh, goal and objective and commit to that. Yeah. That's the first goal. Absolutely. I love it. Committing to self. With a reasonable goal. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a number two? Number two is you have to find a community. It's uh, very hard to do this on your own. Mm. Um, And, you know, uh, what I would recommend, um, I was very lucky that when I found Capoeira, I also found my best friends. So that was my community, and it helped to reinforce my Capoeira. So 20 years later, I'm still doing it. Wow. You need the same kind of community if you're going to undertake meditation. So, And it doesn't mean that you have to see them all the time, but you need to have people who love and care about meditation as much as you do, who are as committed to seeing the, the fruits realized as you are, and you need to maintain those bonds and connections. Yeah. I We were talking in an earlier episode with an earlier guest about Um, a shift in consciousness on a global level. I think there's a lot of people, um, even in our known communities, Mm -hmm. that are looking to turn this corner from anxiety and stress and chronic sleep deprivation and junk food and poor outcomes. Um, So I I love the community piece of it. Mm -hmm. As a as a black woman in Northwest Washington, mm-hmm. I kind of tense up when I hear that because I go, 
um, where are my people exactly? <laughs> um, but when I'm with my girlfriends and That's we right. are speaking, guess what? Yes. We're all thinking about the same things. That's right. And that can be community. The people you already know who are already talking a little different, eating a little different, yep. um, checking out things that maybe you wouldn't have considered previously. I love that community. It's, it's fantastic. Um, gosh, I don't know if I even want to take a three because I just feel like this is such great advice you have. One of the things that I will say helps me, um, because it's so easy to get caught up in the um, hustle and bustle of your life, right? Your eight to five, your kids where they have to be after work, your weekends are all booked before you get a chance to put your bid in, you know? Um Going for a walk always brings me back. Yes. Getting outside in nature, being around green and fresh air or water or whatever natural resources available brings me back to, uh, oh, while I'm over here mm-hmm. stressing and pressing, nature is, is right modeling. So you know what, Devin? That is a fantastic piece of advice because when you go on a meditation retreat, for those who have never been on one, that's what we do. Mm-hmm. We're in a beautiful, natural setting. Mm-hmm. There might be a waterfall. There is going to be lots of bl- nice blue sky and green trees. And, yeah. Um, be- you know, it's just a, you know, fantastic place to be in your body and to relax. And there is such a thing as walking meditation. So one of the things when I went on my first trip to Burma was we learned to do walking meditation. And you're still mindful of your breath as you walk. So you you walk for a while, you're mindful of your breath, and you come in and you sit down. Wow. So you have a, there you know there, are quite a different number of postures postures for meditation. There's we call walking meditation. There's a standing meditation. There's a seated meditation, mm. and there's a lying meditation. And the lying meditation is the one for people who are really 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 stressed out. So if you're a person that you can't control yourself. Um, at all in your thoughts, you want to do the lying meditation. Wow. If you're a person and you find that, you know what, um, I tend to be a little bit sleepy when I meditate or my mind is not coherent, I can't bring myself together, you want to do the walking meditation, okay? Mm-hmm. So, you're, you know, you walk, the, so that those are the four extremes, right? So, remember everyone standing, sorry, walking, standing, seated, and lying, depending on your energy level at any point in time when you're meditating and your mind and your ability to focus. When you say standing, are you thinking of like a grounded asana, like a tree pose or or something where you're balancing? Or is it just like, how? I guess I can understand sitting because I've done that and walking, meditation, lying. Um, but but when you're standing, like how, how are you postured? What is, so. yeah. You want to stand absolutely naturally, um, but you do want to make your body perfectly, you don't have to be perfectly straight, but you don't want to slouch once again, because that doesn't, it's not conducive to concentration. And then the other thing you want to do is to make sure that your your eyes aren't open looking um, directly in front of you. So when we stand up, our eyes are normally facing, you know, you know, facing the horizon, you can see the horizon. You want to kind of go 30 degrees to 60 degrees b- below with your gaze. So you're not 
closing your eyes in a standing meditation. Your eyes are still open, but they're shaded. Okay, so by having your eyes shaded, you won't lose your balance. Okay? I see. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I just I I, I can't get over from from. <laughs> You know, our paths crossing to this moment now. This is such fantastic information. It's been such a pleasure getting to know you and spending this time together talking about something that we're both pretty passionate about. Yes. Um, And it is accessible and it is affordable and it is ours. I think a lot of times, too, in the States, we have been made to think that healthy things aren't ours, mm. that it's white people who like kale, that it's, you know, <laughs> other people who are health conscious. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can speak to being from Jamaica. Yeah. I've spent time in Ghana where I go, oh, everything that we were taught about who we're supposed to be is actually not factual like yeah. this is mine it is. i i can um take up space in this area and what a freeing thing that i hope the listeners will also you know tiptoe into and, and you, see how you, it feels you know Devin, if i had to give a third piece of advice it would be don't judge yourself mm. so remember if you do practice meditation there's no mistake Everything is just learning experience. And for me, that's very freeing because, you know, I made a lot of mistakes and I make them all the time and I just get wiser from them. So I think give yourself a lot of, you know, room to make error, you know, and enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. You're worthy of grace. Yeah. And grace is what you are going to receive. That's right. So if you have faith... Grace will be with you. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Munir, where can listeners find you online or follow you in the world? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram a lot as Professor Zumbi. That's P-R-O-F-E-S-S-O-R-Z-U-M-B-I. And I also have have a blog where I talk a little bit about my meditation experiences and also my Capoeira teaching. So uh, if you look for professorzumbi.com, there are links to my blog. And, um, you know, if you want to reach out to me, reach out to me anytime. I love to talk about capoeira and I love to talk about meditation. Well, I wish I could talk to you more about capoeira, but um, (laughs) I'm so grateful for this time and conversation. And maybe sometime in the future, if your life and travels bring you back this way, we can connect again. Absolutely. I would love love that. that. I'd love it Wonderful. Take care, everyone. Uh, Go to Instagram. You know where to find me, at D the NP. Comment questions on the episode. If you have specific questions for Munir, I'll make sure to get those to him, or I'll just tag him so he can respond. That'd be awesome. Um, But yeah, let's keep the conversation going. Um, We deserve health and and wellness and um, wholeness, and we're going to get it. So we'll talk next time. Take good care. Thanks so much for tuning in to The Purple Stethoscope. I'm your host, Devin Nixon, Family Nurse Practitioner. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at D, the NP. That's at symbol D, like Devin, the NP, like Nurse Practitioner. If you like
like what you've heard today, go ahead and share the episode or even better yet, rate and review. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.